Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. It's been said that we are the sum total of our past experiences, and though we don't have to forever be defined by our past, the statement is nonetheless true. The season of childhood is a particularly vulnerable time. And what happens to us between the ages of birth to 18 has long and deep consequences in who we become. The reality is that children face adversity regardless of our best efforts to protect them. And things happen that are often outside of our control. Adverse childhood experiences, referred to as ACEs, describe traumatic experiences that can have lasting effects into adulthood. And learning about one's ACEs can equip us to better care for our children and their needs as well as inform us to care that can be made possible for adults with ACEs. Here on our show today to discuss with us ACEs and her work with the ACE Resource Network is Sarah Marikas. Welcome to Behavior Health Today. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor, and I'm excited to have Sarah with us on the show. Sarah is an epidemiologist with a background in public health and an understanding of health inequities at their root causes. As the executive director of the ACE Resource Network, Sarah led the launch of numberstory.org, the first national public awareness and education campaign on adverse childhood experiences, the ACEs, childhood trauma, and other forms of childhood adversity that increase the risk for poor health outcomes and educational challenges. Sarah has a master's degree in public health and epidemiology from San Diego State University, two bachelor's degrees in interdisciplinary studies and geography from UC Berkeley, and is also a Human Impact Partners Health Equity Fellow. Sarah, welcome to our show. So nice to have you here. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I would love our listeners to get to know you. And if you could take a couple of minutes and just give us your story and what brought you in to working with the ACEs. Yeah, thank you for the question. There's a lot of things that brought me to this work. I, as a child, was a teenager really impacted by mental health challenges of people around me, struggles with addiction, Mm. people around me and in my community. And because of where I lived and the different schools that I went to really saw the impact of violence in different neighborhoods and communities. And I really wanted to understand all those things. I wanted to understand why people and friends and loved ones were struggling in ways that others weren't. Mm -hmm. And what I learned is that that a lot of these challenges from mental health, the substance use issues seem to stem from my loved one's early experiences, their Mm -hmm. childhood experiences. And me, myself, I have an older half-brother who's 15 years older than I am, and I have a younger brother who's five years younger than I am. And we all had, you know, somewhat different childhood experiences. And I uh-huh. just that I was observing as as we were all growing up the impact of that. And I really yeah. deeply wanted to understand it. This is also the the early 2000s, the opioid epidemic yes. is starting to take off. And I'm observing the impact in some neighborhoods and not others. So I decided I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to help people and understand these things better. And then through different experiences and through school, learned about public health and started to study public health and was really struck by the inequities that we see across communities and some of our biggest public health challenges. 
And I learned about all these big public health challenges from diabetes to cancer, to heart disease, to depression, and spent all this time talking about them and learning about them. And then I learned about FACES study. And it had like this, this, you know, mentioned 10 minutes, the last class of the, the semester. And I learned about this study and I said, why didn't we learn about this first? Yes. And that really is what brought me into the work that I'm doing now and why I care so much about spreading awareness around adverse childhood experiences or ACEs. What I really admire about that is it's so easy for us to get focused on behaviors or people making decisions. And it's so easy to become judgmental and say, well, if they would only, but what you're doing in that is you're kind of going deeper and you're, you're willing to suspend your judgment or suspend, you know, whatever it may be that you could attribute to what they're doing and become curious and start maybe asking what and how, or why, why, why are these decisions, behaviors being done? And that behavior, the decision, those are just a symptom of something deeper and what I love about the ACEs is that you're redirecting our, our attention to, in a very necessary way, that there is a meaning behind the things we do, the thoughts we have, the behaviors we choose, the decisions we make. We're going to get into that in just a little bit, but share with us how common are adverse childhood experiences? What's the, what's the research showing us? Yeah. So about two out of three U.S. adults have experienced at least one adverse childhood experience. And I want to take a moment here to define what that means. So in the mid-1990s, the CDC and Kaiser Permanente in San Diego conducted a study of over 17,000 adults. This was, you know, adults who had health insurance in the mid-90s, middle and upper class, mostly college educated. And they asked these 17,000 adults about 10 different types of childhood experiences. And it included physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. It included emotional and physical neglect. And then household challenges that are pretty common, ranging from having a parent or caregiver with a mental health challenge as a kid or substance use challenges or a parent or caregiver being incarcerated, going to jail, witnessing domestic violence or intimate Mm -hmm. partner violence as a kid, or having your parents or caregivers get divorced or separated. And what they found, to to come back to your question, is that these ACEs are incredibly common. They were incredibly Mm -hmm. common among these 17,000 adults. Two out of three of them had at least one ACE. And one out of six adults have four or more ACEs. And this was an incredible finding because previously there was, I think, a lot of studies on early adversity or trauma had focused in specific, maybe more high-risk populations. Mm -hmm. And there hadn't been a look across a more general population of how common these things are. And they found that they were really, really common and really impactful. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Whether you're a longtime or first-time listener to Behavioral Health Today, you're probably familiar with Triad, the company that brings you this podcast. But you may not know that Triad also hosts a community for current and aspiring behavioral and mental health professionals, featuring trending content and education and career resources, all for free. If you are a behavioral or mental health professional, or you're studying to become one, Join more than 80,000 people on Triad by claiming your free professional account today. Visit us at hellotriad.com slash BHT. That's hellotriad.com slash BHT and join the Triad community today. 
They are impactful. What I what I appreciate about the ACEs, it is naming that these things are in fact significant because we hear it all the time. It's almost like we become habituated to or desensitized to that. Yeah, that was a difficult upbringing you had, or this was a difficult upbringing, or yeah, someone happened to do that in your family. And we often in naming these events, we tend to just kind of either kind of normalize it. Well, yeah, everybody goes through something difficult, or maybe we even kind of dismiss the level of its significance. But this study is saying, yeah, no, don't do that. Don't just dismiss it or just kind of normalize it or or undervalue it. Recognize the challenges around this. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the show. I also know, though, that there are some additional adverse effects or adversities, let's put it that way, adversities that can contribute to adverse effects. In, a, in addition to the original 10, things like discrimination, poverty, name a few of those for us as well for folks to listen to and consider. I think it's so important that you ask this question because, well, the science of the ACEs study that has, you know, again, started in the mid-1990s and has been repeated in lots of different populations and lots of different places and continues to show how common and consequential they can be. There's lots of other research and has been for decades about other things like poverty and how growing up in poverty can impact a child in very real ways from health to educational, to other opportunities. Racism is also can have a similar impact as the original 10 ACEs in causing that toxic stress response that can lead to a lot of the negative outcomes as a child, as well as an adult. And then other violence, experiencing community violence. Again, sort of you can start to see these themes here with the original 10 ACEs and some of these other experiences that are unfortunately very common for children that they are stressful, potentially traumatic experiences that when they happen when we're young and our brains and our bodies are developing, can really impact how our brains and bodies develop in response to our environments and our experiences. So when our experiences and environments are, you know, threatening or not safe, and it happens at these critical moments of development, they can really change And you mentioned it earlier, and I'm so happy you did, because a lot of people can be like, they can understand how they may change how we feel, which is very true. And that's very important, but it can also change how we function, that how our biology, and we we can go into that. But I think that's an incredibly important component here because it helps us move from, and Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Bruce Perry published a book by this title from, you know, what's wrong with you. Yes. to what happened to you. I love that. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I, I would love to have you back sometime and talk about the brain development around this because there are neural pathways that literally get created that are trauma-driven, deeply furrowed, deep pathways that automatically take us down that path to, at their very best, protect us and to service in some function. But not everything is a trauma, but we're always responding. Sometimes it's a false alarm. But we exactly. still respond to it as it being real. Maybe we can flag that and find another time to come back and talk about that because this is so real and so impactful. It's not a choice. These are things that actually happen. And these additional adversities you're talking about, discrimination, poverty, racism, other violence, separation, big changes that might happen in someone's life, like immigration or someone being a refugee or seeking a new area to live or separating from a, someone important to you, bereavement, survivorship. Mm-hmm. You know, being a parentified child, you know, being yes. being given all these responsibilities. These are all things, like you're saying, that are adversities that put a level of stress, sometimes toxic, on a child 
that really impacts not just their brain development, but everything from there, from their behaviors to their feelings to their, to their perceptions. Yeah. You're, as you're talking about these things, there are some risk factors, factor in, in, in terms of childhood experiences, things like maybe coming from a low-income family, like you mentioned, I like to build this out a little bit, but these are factors that can make a child more prone to having an adverse childhood experience. Name some of those for us, would you? Yeah, so that's a really important question. And like I said, ACEs are common across, you know, sociodemographic groups, rural, urban communities, and across cultures. We do see that some groups or populations are more likely to experience ACEs than others. And that's really important to understand, particularly if we are serious about improving the health yes. in this country and reducing yeah. health disparities. So we see that groups with lower incomes are more likely to experience, have a higher prevalence of ACEs. We see that adults who are unemployed or underemployed are more likely to have a higher prevalence of ACEs than people who are employed. We see that people with higher educational attainment have a lower prevalence of ACEs. And we see that most communities of color have a higher prevalence of ACEs. Mm -hmm. And I want to spend a little time talking about that because the conditions due to historical racism and discrimination, as well as contemporary policies and structures that exist in this country, we see that communities of color are more likely to experience these things in a large part because of these structural factors that increase risk. And I know there was a guest on a previous show of yours who spoke a lot about intergenerational trauma which yes. is also really important to name and the, the legacy of you know how we pass, how we can pass down our trauma to the next generation, whether that's through you know modeled behaviors yeah. or whether that's through epigenetics. So I think if we, in the work that we do at the ACE Resource Network, they're very attuned to these community level risk factors and mm -hmm. focus a significant number of resources in places where people have a higher prevalence of ACEs and, and generally fewer resources or access to healing tools, resources, and spaces because of some of those, those factors. What's so cool about what you're doing and you're, 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 we're going to get to the number story in just a minute and how, how people we can you know, identify what our number is and you'll expand upon that for us in a moment. However, first, what I really like about identifying what one's ACEs may be. It's not like, okay, I got a number and so what, or like I'm a, on a Myers-Briggs, I'm an IFTJ. It's, it's, it's not about that. It's something larger. In fact, what you're doing here is you're saying this is a number, but this allows us to do so much, including finding targeted ways to intervene, where to come in exactly. with, maybe, you know, in, in our societies, with low-income families or with the educational level or levels of family stress or where's what, how the finances are. So it allows us to identify where the stressors occur and what, what factors make one more prone to being at risk for these, these things. I also want to highlight another thing. There are some things in there in the, you know, the original 10, let's say, and some other ones too, but you know, if there's physical and, and emotional, you know, abuse or, or there's substance abuse or domestic violence, those are something we might refer to as kind of big T traumas. Those mm -hmm. are hard to miss. Those are pretty prevalent. Someone gets incarcerated. You can't miss that. 
But there are also, we've talked about this before on our show about little T traumas. I want to highlight this for our, our guests too. And I'd be curious about your thoughts. You can experience an ACE if you have a family that's not tight knit, or maybe doesn't speak about feelings or not very good at processing emotions together, or don't know how to navigate through difficult times. Maybe just kind of tuck it away or try and ignore mm-hmm. it or avoid it. So that stays with you. That leaves you by yourself as a wee little guy or wee little gal to kind of process and navigate through some of those times. And that can be an ACE too, can't it? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's, we can think about, you know, what I first think about is, you know, emotional neglect, right? Mm -hmm. When children don't receive that emotional support that they need to develop in a healthy way and thrive. To me, it comes back to like when children don't have that, that sense of safety or security, don't have that safe adult that they can go to, to help them process hard things because hard things are going to happen. There's trauma we can prevent and we should, and there's ways to do that. And there's ways we're working on that, but we also, children are going to face adversity. And what I think is really important in that to be really clear about ACEs and toxic stress is that sometimes people think, well, I've experienced ACEs or my kid has experienced ACEs and what do I do? It's happened. It's in the past. Right. right? But the science, what's amazing about children and even adults is that these things, these, these risk factors, these ACEs for some of these negative health outcomes, learning challenges, challenges in relationships, challenges in work. And we can talk about those is that if children have safe, supportive adult relationships in their lives, that can help mitigate the impact of ACEs and prevent that toxic stress response. These positive experiences that we want children to have are just as important because it can help mitigate that impact to help that child's stress response system. You know, whether that's a big T trauma or a small T trauma to say, you're okay, you're safe, we can process this in a healthy way instead of what happens in many households, like you named silence or refusal to, to yeah. name what's happening in front of us. Yeah. I like what you said. It's And this is kind of a nice kind of headline. Did the child receive what they need to develop in a healthy way? Yeah. That's a powerful question. And from there, we can begin to, was it a safe environment? Was it a an environment where they had support of others so they could, like you said, navigate through difficult times. And if they don't, they didn't have what they needed to develop in a healthy way. The good news is we're going to come to in a few minutes. There's some hope around this because we can build these things in and teach people how to do it. But if they don't get it, they may not even recognize it. Yeah, I didn't have anybody navigate or talk about these things. And there was no big trauma. I don't have any scars or ER visits or no one got incarcerated. My folks weren't fighting, but I didn't get what I needed. So I'm walking out reactive to maybe unknowingly to things that I don't know how to navigate. And so maybe I avoid things or maybe I, maybe I come across angry at times. Little do I know why. So these things you're saying right here too, we might refer to as little T's because they're not huge traumas, but they are traumatic nonetheless, because what you said, they didn't receive what they needed to develop in a healthy way. Love that. Yeah, exactly. I just want to emphasize because I think of all the people I've I've talked to and and have had the privilege to get to know through this work is that so many of us downplay what happened to us. Yeah. And I find that when 
we're in spaces where we can be honest and we can share and we feel safe and name these things that, that really impacted us and do impact us. There's a lot of power in that and that we can really begin to help us address some of the consequences of maybe these early experiences that are, that are challenging us as adults. One of the challenges is though, that to talk about it, I've got to address what I've paired. This is the event. This is me as a child. And I've paired those is that says something about me. Little do we recognize that at times. And that's the shame-based piece that you were suggesting earlier on. So to talk about it, yeah, it can be freeing and I can depersonalize and I can uncouple myself from that event. But my whole life has been through the identity of those things that have happened to me. And it is so hard to lean into, Oprah Winfrey's talked about this, to name her abuse. Her abuse was not her fault. We can all say that, but as a child, we think it is. Maybe there was something I did or something I could have avoided. Maybe there's something I, you know, brought on. And so we have such a shame-based, self-as-responsible, accountable message around this that it's very hard to talk about the very thing that could be freeing. Exactly. Exactly. But that's where if we can just begin to identify it, and then we can begin to help people decouple and say, this is not about you. Yeah. This is about something that happened. Like you said, what happened to you? Not what's the matter with you. What happened to you? Folks, pardon the interruption, but we'll continue this discussion on our next show. This is your producer, Peter Fanger, and I want to thank our guest, Sarah Marikas, for coming on to our show today. For more information about numberstory.org and exploring your ACES number, please visit numberstory.org. For more information about healing and prevention, please visit numberstory.org slash take dash action. And follow Number Story on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at My Number Story. And lastly, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time on Behavioral Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.